Welcome to the Be Rooted podcast, the brave space where we explore the power of Reiki energy healing, the mind-body connection, boundaries, and the power of healing in community. I'm Tekla Ayers, your guide in this transformational path of healing and growth. As an intuitive Reiki practitioner, teacher, space holder, and community builder, I hope to inspire you through discussions with people who inspire me. We will be exploring the power of language and practice, the possibilities of healing trauma through Reiki and mindfulness practices, and what it is to create a life that is rooted and aligned with your truest self. This is an interview-style podcast designed to share the inspiration, wisdom, and gifts present in the journey of healing. Welcome to the Be Rooted Podcast. I am here today with Karen Hibner. We were just talking and Karen has been producing and podcasting since 2016. So she is a professional (laughs) and she's my podcast (laughs) producer. And she's the reason why I'm doing this podcast. So this is the intro podcast that kind of helps you to know why the heck I'm doing this. Why is Tekla Ayers doing a podcast? (laughs) So today, Karen will be interviewing me. And I would love to introduce her before we begin with her interviewing me. So I have known Karen since around 2021. Karen, I said you're a podcast producer and podcaster. You can give me the details on your podcast. Do you want to just toss that in of your podcast that you have now? Yeah. My personal podcast that I produce for my own business is Heal and Go Public. And then my podcast that I produce about podcasting, very meta, is called Podmakers. Thank you. Podmakers is amazing. It has been amazing for me to listen to, to learn about how to do this. And your other podcast, which I always forget the name. It like always leaves my brain. Heal and Go Public. <laughs> I got it. Heal and Go, Heal and Public. go Public. Maybe it needs to be changed. <laughs> <laughs> no, it always leaves my na- brain. It's so funny. Heal and Go Public. I was on her pet podcast. So if you, you may have listened to that. It's on my website. So anyway, Karen is also on sabbatical from being a spiritual director, which is a field that after talking to her and meeting her, I learned that is very similar to the work that I do with folks and community and circles. So that's who Karen is, how we met. So in 2021, I was getting some business coaching from... Nate at Kite and Dart. And I had joined a coaching group online because it was 2021. We were still pretty quarantined. And Karen was in that group. So that's how I very first met you, Karen. And you were, I think, kind of co-teaching with Nate. It felt like you were you were kind of a there to be coached and coaching along with him. Um, we soon found out that we had Marin Miller as a common friend. And who is also Karen's coach a bit too. So lots of synchronicities. We would see each other in coaching groups and kind of started to learn that we had a lot of similarities. And finally, I think like two years later, 
we finally met in person <laughs> because meeting in person wasn't as easy back then. So we met for coffee and instantly had so many things to talk about. We both have great passion and just like drive to create community space for people to feel connected. And we were both literally when we met, we were both setting up our Mighty Networks community. So we talked about that as entrepreneurs and trying this new platform and trying to set up a community through Mighty Networks. Mine was called Rooted Community. And fast forward just a few months, and we both realized that it was not the platform for us. <laughs> so we kind of mm. rode that wave together as entrepreneurs. And it was really wonderful to have Karen as someone to talk to about that process and just about being an entrepreneur and trying new things and learning new things and that sometimes they fail. So maybe we can talk a little bit about that later <laughs> of, mm-hmm. of failing and how that's, that's growth over time. But yeah, when we were meeting, we talked about homeschooling and unschooling and her daughter's younger. So I felt like the elder, my daughter's a good eight years older? No, six years older. Mm -hmm. So it was fun to just share my experience as a mom with her homeschooling my daughter. And then fast forward a little bit more, I was hosting a retreat for other healing practitioners and teachers. And I invited Karen and we were doing a lot of Reiki and practicing Reiki at the retreat. And Karen was one of just a couple of people there who weren't practicing Reiki or officially hadn't learned Reiki, though I would say Karen practices (laughs) Reiki in the sense that she's very sensitive to energy and can move her energy and support others. Anyway, she came to the retreat. It was amazing. And after that, I think we continued being in a coaching cohort that I kind of nudged Nate, both of our coach to organize, and we were back together in a coaching cohort And through this is when I kind of started thinking like, hmm, maybe I should do a podcast, though I would never think of doing it if I didn't know Karen, I don't think. But being in a circle with her and hearing about how she does podcasts and just the power of it seemed interesting. What I've kind of done is taken my vision of the Mighty Networks, the Be Rooted community, which was to bring people together and to especially share the knowledge and information of other practitioners and teachers and people that I know in my life. I feel like since I'm not on social media and that I have a newsletter, but I, I just at this point refuse to be on social media. I hope this to be a place to share about the work that I do and a way to bring people into community and practices that I teach and that others I know teach by having conversations with them. Thank you, Karen, for coming into my life, (laughs) for interviewing me here today to hopefully get a good overview after a lot of editing (laughs) of of why I'm doing this. 
So if you want to add anything more about you or how we met, and I guess then I'm going to pass it off to you to interview me. Yep. It's fun because I'm like, I'm not having to run any of the like recording or anything like that. It's fun to be on this side of it, (laughs) but then also to still be the interviewer, which is like kind of my sweet spot. Yes. So thank you for having me today. It's such a gift. And for those of you, Tekla mentioned that episode where I interviewed Tekla on my podcast. That's episode 75 on the Heal and Go Public podcast. It's how you can move energy and heal through Reiki with intuitive Reiki teacher Tekla Ayers. So go check that out. Give it a listen. It's going to be some of the similar things that we're talking about here in this space, but it may be a different cut or a different view. So check it out. Yeah. I had forgotten about like when we met in coaching and then we were like, should we have like a phone call? Because I think you were trying to meet up and I was like, there was a season of life where I was like, I'm not doing anything in person. Like, I know. <laughs> I was like, anything for work is not in person. And I was like, All right, this is a work relationship. Right. <laughs> so like, we'll do like a phone call. And I remember being on that phone call and I was like nervous because of some of my religious trauma and my background of oh, that. Yeah. I mean, I was told that Reiki was like an off limits thing. Right. So I come from kind of more conservative Christian culture. And I got my master's through, I would say, like a formerly Baptist seminary, kind of conservative Christian seminary. And so as I'm in my deconstruction journey, there are things that are popping on my radar that in my intellect accept, but then I'm like, oh man, I really... I'm nervous, but want to get Tekla on the phone to hear more about like how she views her practice and her business and what this service, you know, like what the service, what this offering, what energy healing is about and what it looks like. Right. Mm-hmm. So it was a really fun conversation of, of being like, oh my gosh, there's so much synchronicities as far as when I was in my spiritual direction practice of what it looked like to meet with people, even the role of like imagination and what we're hoping for and shifts and transformation and all of that was just like so similar. So it was really fun to meet originally and then to be on that retreat and see how things are also different. Mm-hmm. So it's it was just really interesting because like in some of my background too, even though I was in like super, and I know that the religious piece is like something that you could speak more to because I know that there are folks that identify as like within these larger religions that do practice Reiki. Mm -hmm. I do not consider myself one of those people. I do not identify with a broader religion any longer. But when I was in religious spaces, the like laying of hands and like all of that was very natural for me. And so it was really interesting to hear about Reiki and what this like spiritual practice could look like outside of my former Mm -hmm. like indoctrination and the givings that I had experienced. But yeah, but back to kind of why we're here today specifically, it's funny, I think in the cohort space, we just so we're always challenged by like, how do we get our business out there? How do we get what we do in front of people? Mm-hmm. And me always being there in, in your ear as far as like podcasts are an amazing way. Podcasts are an amazing way. <laughs> so I'm really excited for you. I'm really excited for you to create sort of, you're so passionate about community. Mm-hmm. So really excited for you to be able to connect with people across barriers and borders through this space. So yeah. Thank you. And I'm really excited <laughs> to interview you today and see what comes out. Gosh, I would love to say I forgot about that phone call. We had a phone call first before we met in person. And that phone call was so fascinating because like our work is so similar and it's so what what you used to do as spiritual direction. But when you were talking about how you work with people and the transformation they have, it was like... Sp- it was like we're speaking the same language. Yeah, it's like comes from such a different 
angle, yet it's, it was so similar. So it's so cool just to see that and, and to remember that. Yeah. And that's why I had you on the pod too. It was like so important for me to have people, especially coming from a religious background and going through deconstruction around that, Mm -hmm. to have people that have different avenues towards healing spaces and transformative spaces Mm -hmm. that maybe aren't spiritual direction or aren't necessarily, you know, like people that don't feel like they can walk into a church anymore and have that really cathartic experience of worship songs or whatever, to have all of these different kind of spaces that they could go to experience the healing that they desire. Yeah. Yeah. It's so cool. Thanks for that reminder. I totally forgot that (laughs) conversation. (laughs) Tell us a little bit. I mean, you gave us a little bit about why you started the podcast, but can you give us a little bit more about like, how do you envision this podcast aiding you in connecting with folks and getting intuitive, energetic healing spaces or like the healing that they desire to access out to the world? Thank you. I think that by having conversations and talking about these ways of being that might be outside of the realm of like the norm or what a lot of people it's new to. I mean, I'm a teacher. (laughs) I've been a teacher my whole life. I was a science teacher for seven years and taught in the outside and I love to teach. So I see that these conversations are a way to teach through conversation about practices that I do and teach and live to have a space to explain and give like examples around Reiki sessions and practicing Reiki and being in community with Reiki. Reiki is really unique in that way that it can bring community together. So I'm seeing this podcast as a way for me to bring in people who inspire me and who I've been in community with and that hopefully by listening, it can really just encourage and inspire people to show up for community and not just their own one-on-one healing work. And I feel like through all these conversations and sharing about all these different ways of healing. Cause I, I won't only have like Reiki people. <laughs> I'll have people who use a lot of different modalities and who bring people together in community that, yeah, I feel like inspiration and a way to teach. And I think that stepping into doing healing work is very scary and hopefully it can also be a way to get to know me and to know that I'm not scary <laughs> and that I can hold space. And that. I plan to have some clients and just to tell their stories to be inspired also. So Mm, that's beautiful. Thank you. That's super helpful. So then let's take it broader a little bit if you're ready, unless you want to say more about the pod, but I know that, I mean, maybe you could give us a little bit of foundation as far as like what, Reiki is because I also know that it's very particular to you that you also use this intuitive Reiki language. Mm. So can you just give us like kind of this idea of like, what is this when you talk about a practice, like in practitioners, Mm -hmm. like what is that? Or like, if you want to approach it from the energy work lens and that how it manifests in these practices, what is Reiki and what is intuitive Reiki? Yes. So You'll hear what Reiki is in different ways. So I call it the Japanese art of Reiki. And 
I actually teach Reiki a little bit different than I used to really to honor the origins of Reiki by Mikao Usui. It's only been around a little over a hundred years and it originated as a self-healing, self-care spiritual practice of connecting with your higher self. And it evolved from there into hands-on healing or touch. And I used to teach it in weekends and now I teach it in a nine-month program. And I do call it intuitive Reiki. The gift of Reiki, I think, is that it opens up people's intuition naturally through the process and through the practice of practicing Reiki every day. And I did do two years of intuitive training with Stacia Sinisvet, who's also a guest on my pod. So you can listen to that whenever that's out. And in that program, I got to practice how to listen to my intuition and to trust it. Like, and they have specific ways of doing it, but we would meet weekly and practice as our intuition would open up. There were specific tools to do that. So I did that for two years. And after learning those practices, have brought it into my program called Be Rooted in Your Truest Self through practice and energy awareness. I actually bring together that training, my Reiki training, and my graduate school studies. So it's a pretty unique program. But how to tap into your intuition while practicing Reiki, I feel like I give my students that opportunity now because we meet weekly for nine months. And after they learn Reiki, they do self-Reiki. And then, then we learn how to share Reiki and we practice it weekly. And as my students practice Reiki, especially sharing Reiki, and their intuition opens up, intuition can go have a whole conversation about this. I feel like I'm gonna have a whole like podcast about this with a few people. But to me, it's like when your imagination like gives you information, it can be like pictures in your mind or sounds or just a sensation or a knowingness. And Mm. there's lots of intuition or clairvoyances or voyances, they say, through practice and being in a place of listening to your intuition I support students to listen and trust their intuition, which everyone has. Children Mm -hmm. especially are very in tune. And the practice of Reiki, which really is, it's like a meditation practice in a way to connect with your higher self or the divine or the universe or whatever language you want to say, because it is a spiritual practice, but it's not a religion. Reiki is a spiritual practice and it supports you to connect with your energy and your intuition. And it also is a way to connect with your physical body and awareness of your physical body. It's not a way to like just check out and be out in the spiritual realm or whatever. And the way that I teach my program is to really be in our bodies and we practice being in our bodies and aware of our bodies and that the somatics of our bodies and energy. And then we move into the practice of Reiki and intuition and and then sharing it with others. I think that Reiki can be perceived as not 
in your body. Like, oh, let's just escape my body and just, you know, detach. So I think that's really important to understand that and that people really become more connected and aware of their whole mind, body, spirit. Mm, Thank you. Thank you. So within that, I mean, thank you so much for that description. And also I hear, and I know of your backgrounds, you said you were formerly a science teacher and I'm like, oh, she's science minded. I know you're a Virgo, like all of these things. (laughs) I'm like, did you have Virgo son? Did you have a spiritual background or spiritual tapestry like in your childhood? How did you how did you get here Hmm. to this spiritual practice being such a massive part of your life and your work? Yeah. Wow. So for me as a child, there was no religion at all. I feel like I went to a church once with my friend in high school, a Catholic church. And I thought the like kneeling thing was a footrest. She's like, no, you have to kneel on this. So like no religion. And I think my mother especially was kind of like anti-religion. And I still don't really know the whole story of that. But so we were not raised in any kind of church. And I would say there was spirituality connected to mother nature and the earth. A lot of time outside and just appreciating nature and being in nature and the awe of nature. I feel like I definitely had that and my parents instilled that in me of you know, enjoying any kind of outdoor experience and being outside. So I'd say I also got a little bit of that through my elementary school. I had a teacher who would bring us out in nature and do practices that like really connected us to be present and aware. Like we had our own tree. I grew up in Tucson, Arizona, and we back then we were able to go explore and play in the desert. And we had our own tree so that we picked that like called to us. And I still remember my mesquite tree. It was amazing. I could like lay on its branch and we would just have quiet time there. I mean, I think that those experiences, we would have like experiences of sitting and looking at a one by one plot of the earth and just really observing. So a lot of different practices that my teacher and he was friends with a Native American woman. Her name was Poha Mehepe. And I think she has passed since, but she would come and teach us and be with us. And I think that actually, as I speak this, that is really how I connected to the earth and like a spiritual practice around that. She gave me the name Little Turtle that I was very like observant and kind of slow as a child. I was quote shy, but yeah, mother nature was my spiritual practice and being taught these practices so young, I think was, yeah, that's the basis of it. It's kind of cool to think about it that way. (laughs) You phrased that question in a way that I was Mm -hmm. not expecting that. And not much of a spiritual practice though. I would say that my spiritual practice came as an adult, I would say that it came back to me. I always loved being outside and being in nature and connecting to source in that way. And it really was a 12-step program of Al-Anon that helped me find a spiritual practice again of like letting go of control and trusting a higher power of some kind. And because I was 
in a situation where I really needed a spiritual practice because life was unmanageable. That was over a decade ago, probably 13 years ago. Mm. And after finding a 12-step program and my higher power through that, I started practicing and learning Reiki and and practicing yoga and Reiki. I did my yoga teacher training along with my Reiki training. It was all together. And that was also a time of lots of chaos in my life. And I think that through those practices, I was really able to find that spiritual practice of of grounding and letting go and trusting, trusting something bigger and trusting this process of healing. It was definitely like a chaos time of like growth while I was in graduate school doing yoga teacher training, doing Reiki training. And it was really when I think my spirituality really solidified and got me through. I would say I bring in Taoist philosophy and Buddhist philosophy, but that's not really religion. Those are philosophies. That mm-hmm. is like a lot of my spiritual practice as well. And Reiki really is based in a lot of Buddhist practices and philosophy also. So yeah, I think that's a little quick mm-hmm. summary of my path. Yeah, that's super helpful. I love the stories of you as a little girl and especially like your connection to nature. And especially it lights me up knowing that I know that something that's so important to you and part of your spiritual practice, I would say maybe not daily, maybe daily is getting outside. I know that you hike so often mm-hmm. and we get to be here in this front range and in these Rocky mountains, but that I know that you still prioritize connecting with nature in that way. And just thinking of you as a little girl laying on that tree branch. Mm-hmm. And then I also love the knowing that name little turtle and that you are you do have a pace, like a slower pace to you. And, but it comes with so much, right. But that it comes with so much noticing and is so counter to the urgency that we experience in American culture and white supremacist culture Mm -hmm. that is really refreshing. And I love how you also phrase, this may just be indulgent for me, but I also love how you phrase you were like labeled or like you were quote unquote shy, Mm -hmm. but this guide gave you the name of little turtle because it's like, that's just the way turtles are you know like it's not it's not you're expected to be something else but you're this instead because I am a former you know labeled shy child and I have a four-year-old that we're working very hard and we correct people all the time yes around that word shy and trying to make more space for us slow to warm slow to move kind of beings. (laughs) Yes. And I even like if that word is used to describe a child, especially to say she's feeling shy right now, or, you know, like to not make it Mm -hmm. like, like that, that's what you are all the time. And I do, I was labeled Mm -hmm. that as a kid. And though I, you know, had that name of little turtle, I still think that I, as an adult, kind of had to break out of the shyness especially being an an entrepreneur has definitely made me do that. And even a teacher, like teaching high school kids, science was very like, (laughs) had to break out of that mold. So I love that. And I, I just resonate with that. And there's a wonderful children's book called quiet. If somebody has a child that is called Mm -hmm. shy Mm -hmm. 
But I do want to ask you about, so I hear the word intuitive and this may be some, some people may experience this. I hear the word intuitive and I, there's a whole spectrum in my mind, right. Of like super woo woo. And like these words are like thrown around, right. Like super woo woo or like witchy or like there's this whole gamut and this whole spectrum. But then I also hear that you taught high school science and that you have a science backgrounds. And sometimes we can create those things that like intuitive space in juxtaposition to science or whatever. Mm -hmm. So how would you describe yourself or your practice as far as the intuitive piece? And what do you bring to your practice from like, what's special about you because you have these two things at once? Yeah, there's so much to be said. And even just the few podcasts I've already interviewed with people like intuition is definitely interpreted in different ways. I always say that I have grounded woo, that from my science background, I like am grounded in nature and in science and in observation and what is the phenomenon. And also my teacher, Stacia Sinisvet, taught me that intuition is imagination. So Like if you're meditating, either doing self-Reiki or sharing Reiki and you start to see colors or you start to see a picture or you're reminded of someone that are messages for you. And it doesn't mean you have to like interpret them and like try to figure it out, but it might be a message that like if you're, you see this color, you see this person or you see this story, your brain might tell you, oh, this is telling me this. And to listen to that, it's about listening. For me, it's when I'm sharing Reiki with a client and I will get senses or pictures. It's I describe it as like kind of like watching a movie that I get these like images and I'll often share it with my client of what I'm seeing. And sometimes it totally makes sense to them. And I will just Mm -hmm. see it. And the first thing that comes to my mind, I'll be like, this might mean this, like I'm sensing. It's also a a sensing for me, like just a knowingness. But a lot of times it's through pictures. I'll say this feels like guilt and that you're releasing guilt around your heart space. And I'll I'll just Mm. hold the space And sometimes even just saying that will help them breathe into it and they'll feel this lightness and release in their body. Mm. Sometimes it's a color and just saying what colors I'm seeing, they'll just like sigh it out or like start Mm. crying or like they'll notice sensation in their body. So for me, that's how it shows up. Also intuitives, there's all kinds of like intuitives, you you quote intuitives that get Mm -hmm. messages from past life information. Sometimes that comes into my realm when I'm working with people or generational trauma or patterns of being ways of being. That's like you Mm. are your throat, your voice is like constricted and you haven't been able to speak your truth because generations haven't Mm. been able to, and that that might come Mm -hmm. up and holding the space with Reiki can often help that release. And then the person feels like lighter or they go through their life and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm speaking my truth more. I'm not feeling like constricted Mm -hmm. in my throat. I mean, literally it can also manifest as 
sickness. I have a client who I've worked with for mm-hmm. years and she, when she was going through this horrible divorce, her throat, she would get like the worst throat stuff, like infections and throat stuff. And we just kept working on clearing because like she was so constricted in her throat and speaking her truth and her voice. And mm. it's been years now that she hasn't have had throat stuff. It's just like, it's amazing how mm-hmm. the energy is so connected to our body. I'm kind of going off of the intuition piece. And yeah, being a science teacher, I taught biology, I taught genetics, I taught like life science. Mm. And back then it was very much like, oh, you have these genes, you're, you're going to have this, like you're, you're going to, you're prone to this. So this is going to happen. This disease is going to happen because you have these genes. And yes, on some, some genetics is like that. And I love epigenetics, how our genes can change that we can pass on things that change within our body to our offspring that has or ways of being kind of show up in your body and mm-hmm. you can then change those epigenetics. Like it's changeable depending on your environment, your practices like meditation, energy work, moving your body, eating well. It's all so connected. Like I say everything is energy and it really is. And science is showing this. I'd love to like have conversations with really smart scientists because I'm kind of out of that realm now, but I love like hearing about and learning about epigenetics and the brain and the neural pathways, how they change. And I see that in clients who really start their own meditation practice, who learn Reiki and do self Reiki daily and are connecting and are supported by a monthly session to like be held and supported to release whatever's building up and ready to release. And then other people will be like, I don't even use the word intuition. And that's another story that will be another podcast. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I like the thought of its imagination. I love that because it's like, we can doubt our intuition because we think, oh, it's just my imagination. Like when I was learning in my intuitive training classes, I'd be like, well, I think I'm seeing this or I'm not sure, like so unsure. And I think being in practice in community, sharing what you're seeing, sharing what you're observing and getting feedback from the person who you're working with is like so powerful in like helping someone to trust their intuition. And that's why I do the things the way I do (laughs) in community and circles. Mm, I love it. That's super helpful. Cause I'm like, I think some people can hear the word intuitive. It depends on like where, what their experiences is and where they are in community. I think I can hear the word intuitive and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, or do I have to use crystals? Do I have to Mm -hmm. do water rituals? Do I have to do cord cuttings? Like what, you know, like what does all of this look like? And what are you going to ask me to do in the space? And just to really highlight that, the space that you hold for folks is a very gentle space. And what I feel for you is that you're not going to ask people to enter into spaces. Like you're very trauma informed also. Mm-hmm. Like you're not going to ask people to enter into spaces that they don't experience or have like 
an issue around or mm-hmm. have a lot of anxiety mm-hmm. around or that all of it's on the table as far as like if you're experiencing anxiety like in the space like that's part of like the process yeah. of like what we're talking about and like why and like all of that too. So I think that's amazing. That's really helpful as far as identifying terms and like all of that too. Mm-hmm. But I do have a question for you that's maybe a little bit like you mentioned that Reiki came to you in a time when like practicing Reiki came to you and like pursuing your own training and all of that came to you in a time that was really challenging for you and that you were trying to make sense of a lot of things and you just needed a lot of support. But when did, when did, or how did then this practice become something that you wanted to offer to other people through a service and through like an educational program? Why is it your business? Oh my gosh. I think because it did get me through a really hard time. I had a two-year-old and a husband struggling with anxiety, depression, and addiction and ended up in rehab 10 years ago, actually, just about this week. It's been 10 years. My daughter was a little over two and I was in my Reiki training program during that time and that community my teacher, Bonnie Tarantino, and that community held me and also supported me just with Reiki, just with Reiki, you know, with Reiki and movement. It was yoga. I was moving my body. I was embodied. I was somatic practice and the Reiki practice because we brought it together in that training. So it was actually really fast that I wanted to start sharing it. I was practicing as a birth doula and a prenatal yoga teacher at the time. And I knew that I wanted to learn an energy healing practice because my school was an acupuncture school and I was learning the philosophy of acupuncture and receiving acupuncture and totally understood how our bodies heal through energy work like acupuncture And when the opportunity to learn Reiki along with the yoga teacher training, I knew the yoga teacher who was teaching that part of the training and was like, oh, I could learn Reiki. I'd only received Reiki like twice just from friends, like very short sessions, nothing like mind blowing. And when once I learned Reiki, I was like blown away, like totally like it was life changing. And I think also because it was during that really tough time of my partner being very unwell, mentally unwell. And my family wasn't around like, but you know what? My community of moms, of new moms is what held me. So I think that's also why I am so passionate about Reiki and community and the practice. So I actually started sharing Reiki with people as soon as I could. I started sharing because I was working as a doula and a prenatal yoga teacher, I would share Reiki in my classes and everyone always loved it. And then I started just sharing with friends. And that's like, I think the best way to learn Reiki is to practice, (laughs) practice before you start like, you know, charging or anything. So I practiced a lot with friends. I think maybe it was by donation because it was my time, which is important. And within a year, this is all part of the journey too, of trusting the universe and trusting. I think I say that Reiki helped us make the move to come out to Colorado. So it was within a year that we moved out to Colorado. And before I left, I asked my teacher and some of my mentors in the Reiki 
in the Reiki training to help me teach Reiki classes before I left. So like I literally was like teaching my first Reiki classes right before I moved to Colorado so that I could practice with them and learn how to teach a Reiki class with them. And it was powerful. It was amazing. And I actually took a year off after moving here to get grounded into this space before I started teaching Reiki again. And I was doing birth work at that time. So Reiki wasn't my focus, but I don't know. It's all just seems like so divinely timed or universally supported that when I learned it and I, it blew my mind and I wanted to share it, I wanted to teach it and I brought it into birth work and then the power of that and then bringing it into, I had to let go of the birth work because it was just too much to juggle all of that. But I did hold new moms groups for three years here in Colorado, which I loved. And that was amazing community. And a lot of those mamas became good friends. So it's awesome connecting other people. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So beautiful. And so much hardness and also so much beauty and beauty that comes from hardness and like all of it, yeah. right? All the both and of life of what led you here into this space. So then what does it look like for give me some practicals. Like, what does it look like for people to come into your community or to do work with you? Or if, if someone's like, oh, this is something that's interesting to me as far as like on my healing journey and something I would like to experience. Mm -hmm. What does that look like from training to one-on-ones to retreats? I know you offer a lot of different things. Yeah. Thank you. A lot of times it's word of mouth of how people find me or people are just called to Reiki, the practice of Reiki. And I say that there's this magic with Reiki that like some people are just called to it. They don't even really know why. And so some people find me through just searching for a Reiki practitioner and they see my website and read about me and are want to work with me. And then a lot of times it's word of mouth. The first thing that I ask people to do is to explore my website and read a little bit about me and then set up a 30 minute phone call. And in that 30 minute phone call, I'm just like, so tell me why are you called to Reiki or, you know, what's mm -hmm. going on with your life? And those phone calls are always very like connecting and opening and, or if they're not, it's clear that they're, we're not in alignment to work together. So I love the 30 minute phone call. And then for people to work with me, I have a package that's two Reiki sessions with a follow-up fo phone call after each session. And I've recently changed that from just like one session because, and it has been so wonderful because I, we, I have a session with someone and a lot of times people are new to the work and they're most of the time pretty blown away with the shifts that happen. And so then we set up a phone call for after to check in so they can share with me what they've noticed or questions they have. And then we do a second Reiki session within two weeks. And then we do another follow-up phone call. So they really get like a feel for what a Reiki session is and a feel for how I hold space. I also offer a monthly circle of trust. It's on Zoom and it's a place where we come in community. It's included when people work with me one-on-one -on -one to come to community to practice movement and meditation and sharing with each other in the circle of trust format. And those circles are always amazing. And that's a great way to kind of get a feel for how I hold space and how I hold a circle. And after someone works with me for two sessions, at this point, I'm really encouraging people to 
then step into my Ready to Root program, which is a six-month kind of intensive program where you have 12 Reiki sessions within six months. And you, depending on where you are, you either do weekly sessions for a month and then kind of spread them out, or you do two Reiki sessions for six months, um, two times a month. So two Reiki sessions a month. And we also do a weekly 15-minute check-in when people do that program. This program that I started and I have some people doing it now and who have been through it is so powerful because those weekly check-ins are only 15 minutes. But And a lot of times people are like, oh, I don't need to check in. But just talking, having the space to talk and to be listened to, they like process like where they've gone. And then I know what we did in the Reiki session or what I observed in the Reiki session. And I can like remind them like, oh, this has shifted. Mm. You're not, you're not complaining about this anymore or that. So mm. they also get to come to the week, to the monthly circle of trust with that six month program. I really love working with people more than once a month when I'm first working with them, because there's oftentimes so much to move and to process. And a lot of times people are either finding a meditation practice or refinding their meditation practice. So I really support people on that, of finding their best daily practices. And then from there, people can continue with me. I'm calling it maintenance of like a membership where you come to and have a Reiki session once a month. And I have clients who've done that for years. And I encourage people to do that as if you would with massage or your therapist. It's a way to move energy and to be in a space where you can just be and be heard. Because in my sessions, people talk in the beginning because there's a lot of energy moved when you're just listened to. And like a lot of times people realize like what's coming up for them. So the maintenance is once a month and people just set up their appointments for like a year out. They can always change their appointments, but it's like, this is part of my wellness practice. And then if people are really ready. I have the Be Rooted program. And that's the program that is nine months long. And we meet weekly, we do practices together, and we do four weekends together. And I teach Reiki one, two and advanced. So all the way up to like, I call it advanced, they call it master level in some circles. And that is just my signature program, my, my love, my passion, because we're, we're in a small circle of like up to eight people. And I also love to lead retreats. And I'm on a little hiatus right now, trying to find a new retreat place. Those will be coming again soon, someday. It's going to happen. <laughs> Yay. Mm-hmm. I have one more question for you. That's like my formal question and we can see where this goes, but I know that this is really important to you. So I want you to have this out there that you've said you, you have, you have it here in this space, but I mean, Tekla, you are a white woman and you're talking about, and such a, right. And like such a huge part of your business and your practice is, a, you say the Japanese art of Reiki and yoga and the chakra system. And you mentioned Taoist Buddhist philosophies. And I know that Zhigong like enters into your space also, mm-hmm. as far as like connecting with body and spirit. What does that look like for you? Or how are you being like responsible and attuned to these conversations of like, what that looks like? Thank you. Yeah, it is something I'm very passionate about. I've been on 
like unlearning my own internal racism and the white supremacy culture that we live in. And that was part of what connected us because we were in those spaces where we were doing internal anti-racist work. And as a white woman practicing the Japanese art of Reiki and bringing in different practices from different cultures, I've definitely had times when I'm like, can I even be teaching this? I'm a white woman teaching this Japanese practice. And where I am now and my understanding is that there's this practice is so powerful and beautiful. And as I recognize it as this Japanese art of Reiki that comes from Japan. And when I teach the classes, I really go into the history of it. And when I refer to the chakra system, that is not Reiki. Sometimes it gets mixed up as Reiki, but the chakra system is a way to look at energy that comes from Hindu and yoga practices. I don't currently teach yoga and I still love the practice and I practice it daily myself. And knowing the roots of where practices come from is so important. When I lead movements that are Qigong movements that I've learned from teachers, I note that that's where it's from. And if I can give a little history, I do that. And then I'm just always learning myself as a white woman living in this white supremacy culture and how I can break these white supremacy patterns and be involved and bring conversations and bring more white women to the conversation of this culture we live in and how white women can be very harmful to black and brown people in our ways of being that we don't even know until we learn and unlearn. And I'm leading a currently a book club on the white women book, and it brings up a lot of emotions. And it's just been a very powerful space. We just meet monthly. And I've led book clubs on See No Stranger by Valerie Cower. And I bring in her work of the revolutionary love compass into my circles and teaching. And I'm always learning and inviting people in, especially white women, to be aware of the white supremacy culture and the internal bias and racism that we all hold being in this society and culture and world and how we can not be silent to all the oppression (laughs) that's everywhere. And that journey has been really amazing for me. I am glad that I've done it. It's been uncomfortable at times. And I actually, because I do that work and share it with my clients and others, as my clients start to notice their own whiteness, they will talk to me about it and I will give them resources and you know, invite them to circles where we're talking about it. So yeah, it's cool to bring that in and doing my best. I'm not perfect. I'm and I'm a white woman and I will keep learning and unlearning. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you for that. That answers a lot. And I think that it's just a really important piece. And I know that you're really passionate about this too. So you would want it in this space, but just a really important piece of talking about what you do because it can be so, I mean, get on internet or TikTok or whatever for two minutes and we can see all kinds of white women that are appropriating spiritualities from all over the world and from all different peoples. And so I think that it's important to name their origins and to be respectful and honoring in the way that we talk about them and to name and notice and recognize like the ways that we also fall short in that, but also recognizing that we can be anti-colonialists like within Mm -hmm. it and all of that too. So thank you. Mm, Thank you. 
I am just, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that you had me in this space to ask you some questions and to help people get to know you and your business and your offering and your practice a little bit more. It's been such a gift to me. Is there anything else you wanted to say or anything that I missed? No, it was beautiful and very informative. Can I ask you the two questions that I like to ask people? Usually in the beginning, I ask your three top daily practices, knowing that they change often. But what are your three practices or even that you're practicing lately now for daily practices? Yes. Yes. I'd love the answer. Thank you. And I learned in my MA program about a rhythm of life versus a rule of life. And I very much practice that. These practices change a lot. And daily is a tough thing for me. I Tekla knows about me. I maybe don't practice things daily, but there's a rhythm to my week as far as how these things show up or to my month or whatever that looks like. But top three daily practices, I can call them daily. The like three important words to me are breathe, like dump, like get it out and then create. Mm. So I do some form of meditation every morning that involves getting aligned with my breath and my body, whether that's yoga or self-reiki or whatever that looks like and melding self-reiki into these practices too, maybe into a like guided Zen Buddhist meditation. Self-reiki can be present in that. And then morning pages are pretty much a non-negotiable for me. So dumping out, that comes from the artist's way with Julia Cameron and healing like your relationship to your creative artist self, dumping out all of my thoughts and my feelings. It's really, you can tell I'm a wordy person. It's really important for me to kind of get all of my thoughts on the page so that I can move into my day. And then some form of creation every day, whether that's painting or picking up the camera and taking pictures, or some days it's just editing people's podcasts or creating a new podcast, but there has to be some form of creation or, you know, building a snow fort with my Mm -hmm. daughter, something like that. There has to be sort of creation in the midst of all of this consumption that we can get really stuck in. Beautiful. I love it. Thank you. And how about the last question, the name of the podcast and the name of my program is Be Rooted. What does it mean for you to be rooted? What does it mean for me to be rooted? I actually wrote down an answer before we came, so I'll read that to you. But doing the internal and external work so that I can be with my trauma, be with myself and increase my threshold of tolerance to show up as truly me in the world. So being rooted means being in the conversation of why we're here and what we're doing about it every day and increasing my comfortability with those dialogues and differing answers to that by doing my practices. Mm. So that's a really long oh, answer. But it. even it's as so you good. asked me, I'm like connecting the and like be like seeing myself the same as a tree, like that's being rooted mm. to me going to my running spot where I am along a creek and near cottonwoods, like that's being rooted to me, like making these decisions. Like I don't run in the city. I run on a trail. Like those, those kinds of things all root me. Oh, I love your description. Like I need to get that on my website. It's beautiful. (laughs) I totally agree. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sweet. Thank you, Karen. Thank you so much for this. It was, it was fun to, kind of reflect on some of these deeper questions and hopefully it gives people an idea of what it will be to listen to my podcast yay i'm excited so fun to be here (laughs) thanks for having me thank you
Thank you for listening to the Be Rooted podcast. I invite you to let the knowledge, practices, and stories you've heard today guide and inspire you toward a path of growth and transformation. Please take what you like and leave the rest. If you would like support in community or one-on-one work with me, please find me at teclacayers.com, T-E-K-L-A-C-A-Y-E-R-S.com. If you haven't already, set up a free 30-minute phone call with me and sign up for my newsletter to receive free tips, access to empowering online and in-person events, and useful resources that support you on your journey. I offer one-on-one intuitive Reiki sessions, both in-person and distance, circles of trust, community gatherings in-person and online, and I teach the Japanese art of Reiki, which I offer through the Be Rooted program. The next cohort of the nine-month program, Be Rooted in Your Truest Self Through Practice and Energy Awareness, begins September 2024. Thanks for listening and be rooted.